Are you looking to reach your full potential and achieve success in business and in life? Want only tried and tested guidance from people who have truly made an impact? You have come to the right place. Welcome to Five Questions with Dan Shabell. New York Times bestselling author Dan Shabell distills the most actionable and tangible advice from a variety of world-class humans, including entrepreneurs, authors, Olympians, politicians, billionaires, Nobel Prize winners, TED speakers, celebrities, astronauts, and more. Inspirational guidance, practical advice, and concrete solutions. Our Power Chat starts now. Welcome to the 82nd episode of the Five Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Shawbell. My goal is to create the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is retired U.S. General and the 18th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Martin Dempsey. Born in Jersey City, New Jersey, Martin attended the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. After graduating, he served as a company grade officer that went on to become an executive officer during Operation Desert Storm. He rose up the military ranks during the war in Iraq, eventually becoming a general in 2008 and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under President Barack Obama in 2011. Four years later, Martin retired and was named to Time Magazine's 100 most influential people in the world. After over 40 years of military service, he now teaches leadership and public policy as a Rubenstein Fellow at Duke University and serves as chairman of USA Basketball. More recently, Martin authored the new book, No Time for Spectators, which is the basis for today's podcast episode. Leaders in every institution are being tested right now with how they're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. Based on your experience as a general in the U.S. Army, what are your recommendations to leaders on how to manage this crisis or any crisis? The way you phrase it is exactly correct, which is there are certain things that allow leaders to navigate through any crisis. And then part of the challenge is identifying what's unique about a particular crisis. So what I would say just in terms of, the, of, of navigating through general crises, plural, is that leaders will be more effective if they've established certain things before the crisis occurs. And among those things that they, they will benefit from in a crisis is if they've generated a, a, a sense of belonging, if they've made sure that everyone who follows them recognize that, that their contributions matter I wrote a book with an author called Ori Brofman and called Radical Inclusion because we, we believe, the two of us together, that crises were becoming more complex, moving more rapidly under intense scrutiny as a result of social media. And uh, we chose the term radical inclusion for the title because we believed that the way you navigate through the complexities of life and crises when you confront them is by being inclusive. And, uh, and what you get from inclusiveness is you learn because you, people have different perspectives and different knowledge than you may have. You, you, you gain ownership because people feel like they have something to contribute. And then ultimately you gain trust. And I think the leaders that navigate through complex crises the best are those who can generate the most trust. I completely agree. And I actually interviewed Ori many, many, many years ago. Great guy. As someone who has over 40 years of military service, how have major conflicts impacted your leadership, perspectives on the world, 
and how you live your life? The impact of conflicts um, is unique, I suppose, to a military leader. But I also think that there's something to be unpacked here about the impact of, of challenges. We all go through periods of adversity in our life. You know, some of them are very personal, the loss of a loved one, a, an illness, a financial difficulty. And then if you're a leader, they can be organizational adversities. And now, of course, we, we you know, you asked me about conflicts. Those are national security adversities. And uh, now we're going through a pandemic, which is another kind of, of, a, of an adversity for our country. One of the things that I wanted to do in the second book I wrote, which is a book titled uh, No Time for Spectators, the reason I wanted to write that book was that it occurred to me that we often talk about the responsibilities of leaders. And sometimes we shy away from assigning particular responsibilities to those who follow. You know, the most successful organizations are those where there's common expectations that are developed between leaders and those who follow them. Speaking of your new book, No Time for Spectators, you examine the common expectations that forge the strongest relationships. What are the key mutual expectations that make any relationship successful? I realized at several really key points in my life that there were often people who knew what was better for me than I did. And so, you know, a bit of humility about how much we really control in our own lives. As it turns out, the best leaders are those who also learned along the way to be the best followers. They understood what it meant to be on the other side of the equation so that when they got to be leaders, they could knit together the, the responsibilities of leaders and followers in a way that creates, uh, you know, a, a bond of trust. I learned at many points along the way that you know how they say, it's, an, it's a cliche, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Well, in my experience, you absolutely have to sweat the small stuff because if you get the small stuff right along the way, then when the big things come, you've got a solid foundation on which to build. And over the course of my career, I've interviewed major military figures like Colin Powell and Stanley McChrystal. What military figures have influenced your leadership style and what did you learn from them? Actually, those are two of them, uh, but Stan and I and Bill McRaven, another wonderful officer in my career. I, I think it's important in kind of defining how you become you as a leader. Take a look at all those who were senior to you when they had an influence on you. Those of your peers who had an influence on you when you were making your way through the ranks. And then importantly, those who were junior to you who have had an impact on your career and on your, li on your life for that matter. And what's your best piece of career advice? There's, there's a couple of things, but first and foremost, to be themselves. You know, don't try, you know, those who through the years may have told me that I, you know, that I made such an impact on their lives and, and uh, they consider me a mentor. And I'd say, let's really, I'm, I'm so pleased and honored to hear that, but don't, you're not me. Don't try to be me. You can be a lot better than me. And the more in touch with yourself you are as a leader, the better you're going to be because you're, you are acting consistent with your own values and your own judgments and your own personality. And, and, you know, those, if you are a leader, the people around you know whether you're actually yourself or you're trying to be someone else. So that, that's the first thing. Second thing is, is not to rush. Don't, don't get in a big hurry. John Wooden had a great phrase he used with his players, the great UCLA coach back in the 60s. He said, be quick, but don't hurry. I noticed that sometimes young men and women are so 
interested and, and so enamored of thinking about the next job or the next position or the next responsibility or the next raise that they, you know, either wish away or neglect to consider what's happening around them in the moment. And if you allow yourself to be in the moment, you will generally be a better listener, a better teammate, a better follower, a better leader. And in so doing, you're not wishing away your life to get someplace else. And then when you get there, you're going to wish it away in, in hopes that there's something else again. My Irish grandmother used to tell me to bloom where I was planted. And that, that served me well through my career. And I think it would serve anyone well through theirs. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Martin. To follow his journey, you can read his book, No Time for Spectators, and find him on Twitter and LinkedIn, where he shares moments in U.S. history, leadership advice, pictures with his family and colleagues, and political commentary. We hope you enjoyed today's show and the amazing advice our guests provided. Remember that you can only benefit from advice if you act on it. Before you do, we would appreciate your feedback in the form of a review. You can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or a podcatcher of your choice. Your feedback would be very much appreciated. Head over to danshawbell.com slash review now.